Ephesians chapter 3, let me read the text to you again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And we started last week by focusing on that highest calling that we all have and what was that highest calling that every Christian, every church has forever. The glory of God. We exist. We are focused on glorifying God. No matter where we are, no matter if we are a husband and a father or a wife and a mother or a child or a parent or a grandparent, if you're old, if you're young, if you're in the middle, if you don't even remember what your age is, you still exist as a Christian to glorify God. Whether the church is here in California in 2023 or whether it was a thousand years ago or should the Lord tarry a hundred years in the future, if you are a church in um, Iran, there are churches there by God's grace. Their highest calling is the glory of God. What we then looked at was some of the vision that God has given to us as Elmira Baptist Church that may be a little specific to us. Maybe other churches don't handle things, handle things this way. Maybe their work, their efforts, their direction to glorify God may be, might be slightly, slightly different. But there were four things that I asked us to focus on for 2023. And that first one was personal sanctification, to have a vision for personal sanctification. All of us were saved in an instant, in an instant. Salvation isn't a process where you sort of start out and you work toward it and then somehow, no, no, salvation is immediate. It's like a, a wedding. Have you ever talked to someone and you said, uh, are you married? And they said, well, I'm, I'm trying. That sounds really strange. Or I hope to be someday. Well, that makes a little more sense. I'm working toward it. No, people are either married or they're not. There was a day when they got married or they're, they're not married. There's no like working toward it or I'm in the process of it. Um, salvation, justification is like that. Sanctification is a little different. Sanctification is something we work at. Each day we're trying to be more sanctified than the previous day. We talked about saying yes to the Holy Spirit so we can say no to the flesh. We looked at another vision and that was for evangelism. And we hit that point again this morning. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but let me reemphasize. Evangelism isn't just knocking on people's doors. In fact, I can guarantee you that your evangelism will be even more effective among people you know if you're living the gospel out. Why? Because they know you. And uh, that's not to say we won't, won't knock doors. We will. When someone, think this way though, when someone comes to your door, knocks on your door, you know what I'm thinking? Be kind, be friendly, and keep it as brief as possible. Uh, we just moved into a new house, and I don't know how they get our address, but there's all kinds of people coming by, sending us letters, you know, we want to Take your money. That's, that's basically it. So evangelism includes, yes, going and meeting completely new people that we've never met before. And we're going to continue to do that. And it includes reaching the people we already know. And we'll talk more about that on, on uh, Saturday, uh, 10 o'clock. I hope that you can be there. But that's evangelism. We started this topic of discipleship. And I appreciate um, Billy's testimony this uh, evening, because discipleship requires commitment, requires commitment from person who is doing the discipling to disciple someone. 
and it requires commitment from the person being discipled to stick with it. So we looked at Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. We'll probably end up back there at some point uh, this evening. But turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. And I want to focus on this vision for discipleship. This vision for discipleship, calling people, discipleship, calling people to a lifelong commitment to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Second Timothy chapter two and verse two says this, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let me draw your attention to two parts of that verse, faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. When it comes to commitment, what word in this verse expresses the idea of commitment? Faithful. They've got to be faithful men. They've got to be, you've got, you've got to have, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, wherever you are in your journey, you have to be committed. And uh, Billy's right. A lot of times I feel, Billy, if it makes you feel any better, I feel like, okay, I'm just going to, just going to hang on here because God's calling me to commitment and I don't want to go that direction. But those of you that are mature Christians and have said, okay, God, I'm going to let go. I'm going to trust you. You feel like you're floating out into space. But isn't God good? I have never had a time where I let go and I committed to what God called me to do where I regretted doing that. There's been a lot of times I've held on and I've regretted that. Because God said, listen, I have so much more for you. Now, there's a lot of reasons we hang on. I won't deal with those tonight, but let me encourage you if you feel like you're just sort of hanging on, and I don't mean in a good way, you just, okay, I'm just, I don't have to give in quite yet. Yield to the Holy Spirit in your life and do what he's calling you to do. We need more committed Christians. We we need committed Christians more than ever. One of the reasons churches are weak is because Christians are not committed you can only do so much with uncommitted people. If I, if I have to constantly convince you to do what's right, if I have to constantly convince you to come and join us, if I've got to constantly convince you to serve in the church, it takes a lot of effort and things don't get done. So we need commitment. But there's a second thing in this verse, in addition to faithfulness and commitment. By the way, I'm not calling you to be committed to me as a, as a pastor, as a person. Now, some of you really like me. I'm glad for that. Some of you, not so sure. And I I don't know how about that. But I'm not calling you to be committed to me. And I'm not calling you to be committed to Elmira Baptist Church primarily. We'll, we'll, We'll explain that a little bit more. I'm calling you to commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who I'm calling you to be committed to. Now, the commitment will be expressed through a church. And I hope well, in your case, it's Elmira Baptist Church, and I, I'm praying, I hope you're praying for more laborers, more people who will, in expressing their commitment to Elmira Baptist Church, be committed to the ministry of Elmira Baptist Church. But you're not committing to me, and you're not committing to the church. Billy also talked about failures of commitment. And if I were to fail and commit be, in my commitment and bring embarrassment, shame to the name of Jesus Christ, I hope you will leave me behind and continue to follow the Savior. Don't let that dissuade you. If this church, something terrible happens to this church, you still have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and be committed to Him. Now you pray for me, 
that I won't fail in my commitments, and you pray for Elmira Baptist Church that it will continue to be a bright beacon of hope in our community. But your commitment is primarily to Jesus Christ, and it's expressed through Elmira Baptist Church. There's a second part here, though, who shall be able to teach others also. And I mentioned last week, and just want to remind you, that all of us are Christian, as Christians are called to be in one of two places. We are either called to be discipling others, to teach others the things that people taught us. Or we're called to be to that being discipled, that is receiving the things that others have taught that group over there. All of us are either disciplers or disciplees, in other words. I had someone reach out to me this week and say, hey, I'm on the I need to be discipled side. I said, that's great. I'm going to work on that. I'm, I've given it some thought. Um, th- there's, no, there's no shame in needing to be discipled. You just need to be committed. But if you say, no, no, pastor, I feel like I know the word of God. I have a rudimentary understanding and I, I could teach someone else. Then I'm calling you to be committed to discipling others. And again, it doesn't need to be in a formal way. Some of you do teach. You teach our children. That's a form of discipling others. You teach the adults. That's a form of discipling others. Some of you have some uh, formal meetings every week with people. You bring a book. You bring the Bible. You, you teach them things. That's good also. But discipleship sometimes is just walking through life with another person. It's calling them up. How are you doing? Oh, I'm really depressed this week. Okay, well, let's pray. Maybe we need to get together. What can I pray for? What's happened? Right? You're just walking through life with it. If you are a discipler, then it's not uncommon for your disciple to call or to text you and say, hey, I need help. I don't know what to do here. I- I'm confused. Uh, this this is suddenly came up and I don't know what, t- I don't, what do I do? That's also discipleship. It's not as formal, but it is discipleship. And as a church, we need to be committed to either being discipled or commit to discipling others. Now, there's a a fourth um, uh, vision that we have for our church, and that is fellowship. Fellowship. 1 John 1, 7 tells us, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Fellowship. So we will continue to have our Food and fellowships on Sunday, we talked about that. The fourth Sunday of the month, we talked about that last week. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have a Memorial Day picnic. Uh, On the 28th, we'll have an open house at my house. Maybe you would like to host something at your house. Several of you over the years have opened up your home to to larger groups of people. But we want to encourage fellowship. So let's get talk about now the strategy to get to these things. That's the vision. Okay, that's the vision. How do we get to this vision that God has given us for 2023? What is our strategy? How many of you have a trellis at home? You know what a trellis is? It's like that wooden framework that plants grow up. Anyone, do you have a trellis? I've seen yours. Yeah, you guys, you guys have a trellis? Okay, good. Um, I don't have a trellis at my house. And uh, some of you that have had a trellis, you know that there are two major parts to any trellis, any real trellis. That is, there's a wooden piece, right? And there's also a plant, a vine that grows up on that wooden piece. And the problem is, the more healthy the vine is, the, the more healthy the plant is, the more likely that trellis is to fall off, fall down. 
because the plant becomes big, it becomes heavy, it starts to pull away from the wall or the fence or whatever it's, it's, it's tied to. And uh, over time, you can't get to the trellis anymore because the vine is there and uh, you can't paint the trellis, you can't fix the trellis, and so eventually the trellis falls over. Well, a church has a trellis part and it has a vine part. The trellis part is the framework, the, 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 the structure we have in order to minister to people. The vine is the people ministry. And the problem a church can have is we can be so focused on the trellis, building a building, getting more musical instruments for our congregational singing, getting the right discipleship book or the right um, book for our uh, right curriculum for our Sunday school that we forget that the real work that a church has is to build people. The other part, the church building itself, the, the curriculum we use for Sunday school, the musical instruments, that's all part of the trellis. It's, all, it's necessary. If you don't have a trellis, the vine has nothing to grow on. But the real work is people work. And if I can give you a, a short definition here of our church, the critical work of our church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of God's Spirit, and seeing people converted, the converting people is God's part. We just sow the seed. But seeing people converted assists them in growing into maturity through God's grace. Now, let me show you a verse that has, I've never been sure how to work it into a sermon until tonight. Hebrews 13 and verse 9. Hebrews 13 and verse 9. My problem is whenever I have a lot to say, my thoughts start to run ahead of my mouth. And then pretty soon things are tumbling out and I'm not even sure if I said it correctly. So I'm going to just sort of pull back here, gather my thoughts. The critical work of our church is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of God's spirit. Not in our own strength, in the power of God's spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's our goal, to preach the gospel. When we do that part of faithful evangelism, planting seeds, some will respond. By God's grace, they're going to be converted, and then our job is to assist them in growing into maturity through God's grace. So Hebrews 13, verse 9 says this, Be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. Notice this sentence. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Now that's a strange comment that it be established with grace and not with meats. But remember, the whole book of Hebrews is contrasting that new covenant, the new covenant is Jesus Christ, with the old covenant, the Old Testament, which had a lot of rituals in the temple. And he's pointing out that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all these rituals. We don't need all the rituals anymore. We just need Jesus Christ. So keep that analogy in mind. What he's saying is it's a good thing that a heart is established with grace. That you're established in Jesus Christ. Not that you're established simply in ritual. Now the problem, and I, I see this in my own ministry, the problem is it's much easier for me to teach you ritual than to be established in grace. Right? Because if I come and I say, listen, Sunday morning, we're going to sing four songs. Scotty, right, give us four songs. Billy, Sunday night, we're going to sing six songs. Give us six songs. We understand that. So Scotty writes down his four songs, and he leads them, and Billy writes down his six songs. It's harder to say, do right. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I don't even always know. 
That's where you have to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. You know, you husbands, each of our wives, we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. Wives, that's why we don't broadcast our Wednesday night message, right? So we can talk about you. Each wife is different. How I treat my wife may be slightly different than how another man treats his wife. My wife's emotional needs or physical needs may be different than another wife's emotional and physical needs. So it's not just a matter of do these things. I I like to tease uh, Marisa. She's not here right now. Marisa does not appreciate, she's told me this, she'll tell you this, she does not appreciate Kurt bringing home cut flowers. She says, you've killed them. Bring home a potted plant or something I can put in the ground. Don't bring me cut flowers. Some of you ladies are very grateful when your husband is thoughtful enough to bring you cut flowers. So guess what? Kurt doesn't need to bring his wife cut flowers. That doesn't mean none of us should bring our wives cut flowers. The difficult part in this people work is that I'm not just training you to respond to a list of do's and don'ts. We're training each other to respond to the Holy Spirit. And your heart is established in God's grace, not in simply ritual. Now, the ritual is easier because I can tell you exactly what should be on the list. But the grace of God is what we need desperately in our daily lives. So what's this strategy? Well, the first strategy I I mentioned to you is personal sanctification. The first vision is personal sanctification. What's our strategy to get you to personal sanctification? Well, number one, I'm going to remind you over and over that it's your love for God that motivates you to obey and to serve him. It's your love for God that motivates you to obey God and to serve God. Now, again, if you enjoy being a part of Elmira Baptist Church, there's a certain part of you that comes on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights just to be a part of this group. And how do I know that you enjoy being a part of this group? Because some of you stay for 45 minutes or an hour after the final amen. And you're still talking to each other. And that's great. I have no problem with that. Sometimes I'll say to one of you, I'll say, hey, I'm taking off. Turn off the lights and lock the door. I want you to stay in fellowship with each other. That's great. But I want you to primarily be motivated by your love for God, to obey him and to serve him. Not by your connection to this church. Second, as it comes to the strategy for personal sanctification, you're going to love God. That's why you obey and serve him. But second, and this is in Ephesians chapter 3. So if you go back to Ephesians chapter 3 and, and look at verse 19 with me, it says to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I want you to be motivated by God's love, but I want you to focus on the Holy Spirit God's grace as a source of change so that you are filled with all the fullness of God. We know, the Bible teaches us, that in you dwells the Holy Spirit. This body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells inside of us. And if you can sort of think of it this way, when we do not yield to the Holy Spirit, when we tell the Holy Spirit, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm just going to hold on to what I know. Listen, I'm, I'm comfortable where I'm at. The Holy Spirit's influence on our life is very small. Now, he never leaves us, never forsakes us. We can't kick him out. He's there permanently. But we can limit his influence. But when we yield to the Spirit, when we say, yes, Holy Spirit, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And then he says, do this. Okay, that's, yeah, I'll do that. Guess what? His influence expands to fill all of us. And that's one 
uh, application of this being filled with all the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit. A church that glorifies God, that's our primary, that's our highest calling to glorify God, is going to be anchored by disciples who are filled with the fullness of God. Think about that. They're gonna, it's going to be anchored. There are going to be other people who are part of our church. There's certainly going to be other people who come who may not even be Christians, but you've invited them or they're curious or they want to know what's going on. That's fine. They can come. But the church is going to be anchored by those disciples who are filled with all the fullness of God. So when it comes to personal sanctification, I'm not just going to give you a list. Here's, here's how you're personally sanctified. No, I want you to be motivated by God's love. And I want you to learn what it is to respond to the Holy Spirit. But here's a third thing. And turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And I've taught this passage before. But this is, this is the passage I always think of when I think of defining spiritual maturity. How do we know what our goal is? When we say we want mature Christians... What's our goal? What, what, what do mature Christians do? This, these verses define it for us. Hebrews chapter 5, follow along as I read. Verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is skillful in the word of righteousness. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There are three things that these verses tell us a mature Christian does. Number one, he ought to be a teacher. Now, teaching is not only the role of, I need you to teach a Sunday school class, or I need you to come and preach. Teaching can take a lot of forms. Those of you that are parents are teaching your children. Or your children are training you. There's only two options when it comes to parenting. You are either training your children or your children are training you. Just in the last month, I was talking with a, with a younger father. He has little kids at home, younger than my kids. And we were discussing the fact that you can get a lot of things done by yelling at your children. Now, notice I didn't say that's a good way to do it. But if you're a father and you've got a big, booming voice, you can start yelling and things get done. And the temptation is to think that, oh, good, look, things are getting done. But then you notice that when you, and he, he brought this up, I didn't. He said, you notice that when you just talk to your kids, hey, please do that. Hey, go there. What do they do? They just ignore you. They wait until you're angry and you're red in the face and your eyes are bulging and your voice gets loud before they do anything. I said to this young father, I said, see, your children are training you to yell. Don't let them do that. Make sure they obey. When you've given a clear command, you know your child's heard you. Expect them to obey. Because if you don't train your children, your children will train you. So when it comes to being a mature Christian, number one, you have to be able to teach others. And again, not necessarily in a formal, you are the teacher and we give you a little button. No, you're teaching your children. You're teaching uh, the other Christians in here. You may be teaching someone who's not part of our, our congregation. A lot of opportunities to teach. Second area is you're skillful in the word of God. Skillful in the word of righteousness. A babe is unskillful 
in the word of righteousness. To be mature, you must be skillful in the word of righteousness. And third, in verse 14, those who are mature have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. You're able to tell what is right and what is wrong based on God's word. So that's what I'm pointing all of you at. Be a teacher. Be a discipler. Come alongside other people. Disciple them. Number two, be skillful in the word of God. And number three, have your senses exercised so you can discern what is right and what is wrong. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to move on now. We're still talking about personal sanctification. You're motivated by God's love. You're filled with all the fullness of God. You're responding to the Holy Spirit. You're aiming for mature Christianity. And number four, we want to, Elmira Baptist Church wants to focus, excuse me, foster a culture of selfless love and sincere care. Foster a culture of selfless love and sincere care. I use the word foster there because God is so good to have given us a base. Pastor Harder was such a loving man that he attracted a lot of loving people to this church. And I will be forever grateful that when God called me to this church, it was already full full of loving people. So let's keep being loving people. Keep calling each other. Keep encouraging each other. Keep checking in on each other. Uh, one of you, and I won't embarrass this, this lady, but she went by someone who hasn't been here in a couple weeks just to check on them, see how they were doing. Turned out they were doing well. You say, Pastor, didn't you know that? I didn't. There are a lot of people. I, I, I didn't know that. So let's foster this culture of selfless love and sincere care. Just in the month of December, two separate people completely, I mean, they weren't like, they came together to this church and they both mentioned it to me. Two completely separate people said to me, I didn't know little churches like Elmira Baptist Church existed. The only church I was ever exposed to was a big church, hundreds and hundreds or thousands of people, and you go in and you're just a nameless face. And then you leave. They said, I didn't even know, I came to your church and people, they want to know my name. And they want to talk to me. And they're glad, they're genuinely glad to see me. Now, it's sad that that would be a shock to them. Uh, some of these, one, one of these fellows is about my age, the other one's a little bit younger, but both of them adults. It's sad that they've gone through their whole life and never been exposed to a loving church like Elmira Baptist Church. But let's keep that. I, I, it's, a, it's a joy to me as a pastor when I follow up with people who visited to hear, oh, so-and-so befriended me. So-and-so came up and talked to me. So-and-so, I know so-and-so. I didn't even realize that I made a connection. Let's keep that selfless love and sincere care for each other. Boy, uh, let, let, me, let me mention three more things. A strategy for evangelism. We talked about this, witnessing to the people that we know. Do you remember the demoniac of Gadara? He's crazy. He's out in the tombs. He's cutting himself. And Jesus cast those demons out of him. And the demoniac, when he is sitting and, he's, and he is in his right mind, he wants to go with Jesus. I mentioned this last week. He wants to go with Jesus. But what does Jesus tell him? He says, go home and tell your friends what great things God has done for you. I don't want to drive you to be a witness. I don't want to put some fear in you or manipulate you to be a witness. I want you to be so excited about what God has done in your life that you want to tell other people about it. 
And I think, let's be frank, candid. You know what I think our problem is? Sometimes we don't realize how much God's done for us. Life is good. I mean, I've got a family. I've got children. I've got a nice home. I've got a loving church. And I just sort of think that I sort of fell into that. No, no, that's God's grace. I mentioned this morning, without God's grace, I don't think I'd be married today. Or I'd be married for the second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth time. Because I am basically a very selfish creature. Now, I know you're not, but I am. And I tell you what, marriage doesn't always meet every need you think you have. And it's God's grace that helps you realize you're being unreasonable, Scott. That's, that's, that's the only explanation I have. Why did God bless me with the children I have? Again, God's grace. Why did God bless me with Elmira Baptist Church? Again, God's grace. We have a lot to be thankful for. We should be excited to tell other people about this God who just pours out his goodness and his blessing on us. So our, our, our efforts for evangelism are not pointed towards, hey, where were you last Saturday morning? You weren't here Saturday morning. You better get here or you're going to be in trouble. No. If you aren't excited to tell other people about the God you serve, I, I really can't help you. I mean, I can train you, and I'm, but I want you to be excited about it. Evangelism, moving on, just for sake of time. Our strategy for discipleship. I'm really going to work hard on Sunday nights this year to make this a training time. Um, trellis work, vine work, to make it a vine work time. To give you some, some practical ideas in applying biblical truth. Now, you already know, those of you that join us on Wednesday nights, that's what Wednesday nights is. Both the ladies that are meeting, the men that are meeting, the children that are meeting, very practical training in how to live. So if you've not been able to join us on Wednesday nights, let me encourage you. If you are free on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, come on out. The men meet in, the, in here. The, the women are meeting currently in the ministry room. Children are meeting in the patio room. We do have a nursery for the smallest ones. And be a part. Because if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to need training. Finally, in addition to our food and fellowships, one of our strategies for fellowship if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. One of the ways we're going to implement that, we're going to live that out, is by being hospitable to each other. Let me show you two uh, verses. One is in Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Romans chapter 12 and verse 16. And if it takes you a while to find that one, just find that one. But the other one is in Malachi 3.16. And this is the one that John shared with us in the Sunday school hour. Romans 12, 13 says this, distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. In a world that is increasingly defined by social media and people texting to each other and people sending short videos to each other, we as Christians want to move away from that model to a model where we actually sit down and look each other in the eye and talk to each other. It doesn't always have to be about the Bible. It can just be about life. It can be about funny, something funny that happened to you. It can be about the thunder that woke you up in the middle of the night last night. It doesn't have to be always spiritual, but we should have conversations with each other. And I don't know about you, but conversations for me, for me, conversations always go better with food. Yes, they do. So 
think of ways you can invite someone over to your home or, or maybe take them out to eat or maybe go to the park. I understand not every home is, is, is real uh, conducive to these types of fellowships. And, and I'm not talking about the whole church. One person. If you've got a family, a family that has children about your age, I'm, I'm overjoyed. I, I keep hearing about these homeschool families that are getting together at the park. Wonderful. Keep doing that. Let's be hospitable. Malachi 3.16 says this. This is Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. We need to speak often one to another. We share uh, uh, we have a shared, a common love for God and a desire to serve him that isn't common outside of these four walls. Probably at your work, place of work, there may be one or two or three other serious-minded Christians. So let's speak often one to another. Let's live out this strategy of fellowship by inviting people over to our homes or getting together with people outside of our homes. The location isn't important, but spending time together is. Now, again, I'm not going to give you a list, okay, once a week, once a month, once a year. You pray about it and ask the Lord. And fellas, don't invite people to your home without checking with your wife. That's a bad idea, okay? Talk to your wife first. Hey, what, are, what is the plan? Who, who, who should we invite over? Get some, some counsel, get some joint decision making, and then let's have more times of hospitality at Elmira Baptist Church in 2023. I know during COVID it was weird. We were told that getting together was bad. So, you know, you, you feel bad just showing up at somebody's house or going into their house. You know, you feel, should I wear a mask? Should I, you know... Let's, let's leave that behind. Let's move on into the future. And let's be hospitable to each other to, um, and organize hospitality. Okay, seven after. Uh, who's in the nursery tonight? Tell them thank you, special thank you. I want to mention two things that we want to do when it comes to tactics. Two, two strategies. That was strategies. Two things we want to do. Number one, we want to strengthen the families at Elmira Baptist Church. Now, by the way, if you're single and you're here tonight... I want to say this. I pray for you single folks to be satisfied and contented with what, where God has you. You don't have to be married to be a full Christian. There's a lot of single Christians. God is using them and, and praise the Lord for that. When you do get married, we want to do everything we can. Or if you get married, however the Lord has it, we want to do everything we can to strengthen families at Elmira Baptist Church. I mentioned this morning, families being torn apart. So you'll hear me talk a lot about families. It's not to the exclusion of you single folks. I just know our families need extra strengthening right now. So that's one thing we're going to do a lot of in 2023. And the other is training. That's what Saturday morning at 10 o'clock is about. Sometimes people don't do something because they don't know what they're supposed to do. And what they simply need is training. I mentioned the statistic this morning, and I am going quickly. I'm just sort of throwing some final things at you that I want to get into this this, uh, evening's message. I mentioned this morning in the 1980s, the median age for pastors was 44. Today, the median age for pastors is 58. And that statistic would not have stuck with me Except that in getting together with other pastors in our area, most of them are older than me, and many of them 20 years or more older than I am. Many of them. And many of these older pastors are saying, I'm looking for a young man to come alongside and to mentor so that he can take this church, and I'm not finding anybody. 
Guillermo mentioned it Wednesday night, a, a young pastor in, in, I don't know what state he's in, he didn't say, and he didn't mention the name or the church, so I don't know those details, but a young pastor who wants to be a pastor, but his wife isn't sure if she wants to be a pastor's wife. And frankly, it takes a team. I can't be a pastor if my wife doesn't want to be a pastor's wife. So, so my point is this. We, as a church, we need to be praying for God to raise up young people out of our church to be the next generation of Christian leaders. Yes, God may call your child to Stanford to become uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, praise the Lord if he does. But that doesn't define success. If God isn't calling your child to be a surgeon, going to Stanford to be a surgeon isn't going to make your child successful. I have asked, and I'm going to encourage you parents to ask, Lord, what do you want me to train my children to do? Number two, not only in, in our own children, but uh, looking for other opportunities. This coming summer, by God's grace, I finally think I've worked it out. This is the third summer in a row I've worked at this, but I think that we'll have a young man come. He's a Bible college student between his junior and senior year, and he's going to come and he's going to work with us for 10 weeks. And I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to do something wrong that's just going to be like, shake our head, what in the world was he thinking? Wrong. Now, I don't mean evil, sinful wrong. I just mean like, one time we were out and we were trying to train our young people at another church. We were trying to train them to pass out invitations to church. And we left a couple of them standing on the street corner. And we didn't remember to pick them up. Yeah, that, I, you say, how did you? I, I said we. It wasn't me. I did not do that. How can you forget somebody's children? We will not do that to you here at Elmira. But sometimes, somebody will come and they'll just do something like, what in the world? Will we Listen. We've got to be patient with these young people because if we're just like, that is the stupidest. Wow, could you do that? Listen, I don't know how you ever think you're going to be used in the ministry if you can't remember to pick up somebody's kids. We're going to discourage them. And they're going to go to someone who says, oh, you're okay. Well, we'll, we'll help you with that. But that group may not be a Christian group. So let's be patient with our young people. Let's encourage them. When they do something wrong, let's say, hey, you can't do that. That's, that's not wise. I, I try not to use the word stupid or dumb. I just, not, that's not wise. Let's not do that. But let's be patient as we're training the next generation to serve God. And let's see that as part of our goal. Training the next generation. We're going to put up with some extra things. We're going to smile sometimes when we really are not smiling on the inside. Because we want to see the next generation serve God. And somebody was patient with me. My guess is somebody was patient with you. Let's be patient with our young people, with these uh, fellows that come along uh, to do internships. As God calls young parents to our church, let's be patient with people. So as I get to the invitation, here's what I want to challenge you tonight. One, one word that I want to challenge you with tonight. There's a lot of things I've covered because I wanted you to sort of get a, a broad view of what I'm seeing for Elmira Baptist Church in 2023. But here's what I need from you. Commitment. Not to me. Not a commitment to Elmira Baptist Church, but a commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ to move forward in your Christian life in 2023. Whether it is evangelism or discipleship or personal sanctification or fellowship, that you're going to be committed, that you're going to let go of what is comfortable, let go of what you, what you know so well, and respond to the Holy Spirit with yes. If you're calling me to do that, I will do that. Will you be committed this evening? Father, thank you again for, for calling me 
to and entrusting me with Elmira Baptist Church. Thank you for the legacy of love and compassion that you left to this church when you took Pastor Harder home to glory to be with you. And we want to foster that selfless love and sincere care. We want to continue that legacy, that tradition of truly loving people, being patient with people. Father, many of us, and I include myself in this, we're holding on to something just because it's comfortable, because it's the habit that we've fallen into that we feel most comfortable in. And we ask this evening, as you, your Holy Spirit works in our hearts, we ask. We ask for that grace to say, yes, Lord, to what you're calling us to do. To say yes and let go of what's comfortable so we can respond to the Holy Spirit, whether it's in evangelism, whether it's in personal sanctification, whether it's in discipleship, whether it's being a disciple or being a discipler, whether it's in fellowship. Maybe we're not comfortable inviting people to our homes and and you're calling us to be more hospitable, whatever it is. We're asking tonight that you would give us the grace to let go and respond to you. Father, we want our hearts to be established with grace and not with meats. We want to be filled with all the fullness of God. We want your Holy Spirit to have his complete influence in our lives and not be hindered by our own selfishness and our own sinfulness. So we we say yes to you. We welcome the gracious influence of your Holy Spirit in our thinking, in our emotions, in our will. We ask for you to be glorified mightily in 2023 in Elmira Baptist Church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.